Hi, I'm Ellen Siegel, and today I'm talking with Janine Vague of Transformative Psychotherapy. So relax into your openness and enjoy this enlightening conversation. Hi, welcome everybody. Hi, Janine. Hi. Um, uh, this is uh, Enlightening Conversations, and I'm Ellen Siegel, uh, author of Be Happy No Matter What, and this And I'm Janine Vague um, with Transformative Psychotherapy, LLC. Yeah, and we're both uh, counselors, and uh, we love to do these talks because uh, we're not rehearsed. They're yeah. topics that we both love, and so we invite you to enjoy with us and and in your mind converse with us have your thoughts come up in your mind as if we're all talking together today's topic is spirituality and um whether you consider yourself spiritual or not uh this is a conversation for everyone because we all have higher wisdom in ourselves um wherever we tap that from so we thought we would start today uh, by sharing each one of us um, how we've come to where we are spiritually today. Is that the way to say it, Janine? How, was yeah. there a better way? Okay. Kind of the path that we went down yeah. to get to okay. where we are. Yep. So um, I was brought up in a reformed Jewish home on Long Island in New York. My father. He had been, he grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home in Brooklyn. And my mother grew up in something called the conservative Jewish home in New Jersey. And uh, I think my father and my mother uh, were drawn to the uh, American reform movement for Judaism. It was much more modern and they were charter members of a a local temple or synagogue, which actually means meeting place, uh, in what were post-World War II communities on Long Island. So it was new communities, new parents, young children, new churches, new temples. And so when I came along, they required that I went to Sunday school. And uh, so I was brought into a religion like right from the start, uh, even though it wasn't orthodox. And I think of orthodox, whether it's in Christianity or um, um, uh, Islam or that as the most observant or the most uh, ritual, or at least this is what I experienced through what orthodox Judaism is. So in reform, you could say it had rituals and things like that, but nothing of the depth or amount, volume. So uh, Sunday school, I guess, was sort of fun until I realized I didn't want to be in school on the weekends also. So I'm going to say to everybody and to you, Janine, I fought it every step of the way. But I was a good girl on the outside. I was fighting on the inside, but a really good girl on the outside. So I would go and 
And then secretly, I only realized a couple of weeks ago, because I was thinking about this, that I really loved going. I loved the dances. I loved the learning of the services. I loved the Hebrew prayers. I love that we got grape juice instead of wine. Uh, <laughs> and, and I had a whole circle of friends there that weren't just in my school district because it drew from several school districts. Mm -hmm. So, and then, uh, and then my parents knew that I was fighting it as I was a young teenager. And they said, you know, when you're 13, even though I didn't get bat mitzvah, which is a, um, a rite of passage, in the Jewish tradition, um, traditionally only for boys, bar mitzvah, but in the reform movement, bat mitzvah, so girls were included. But I didn't really want to go to Hebrew school on top of Sunday school is all too much for me. So I, my, I let my parents know I wasn't interested in that. And they were very kind and didn't force me. <clears throat> Even though I was counting the years till Sunday school was over. But the moment they said I didn't have to go at age 13, something happened. It was like a paradoxical case. They said I didn't have to go. I wanted to go. So I went all the way through high school. And the reason I'm sharing this was because it was a key thing that happened. Yes, there were many along the way. But in the senior year of high school, our class, there were about 10 of us left, got to meet with the rabbi for like two or three hours every Sunday. And I will tell you that all the fighting that I did all through those years was, I don't know, somehow worth it because I got arrived at this wonderful place. So this is like meeting with the priest. I, I don't know if it's like meeting with the Pope, but it's meeting with somebody who, who there was no question in my mind when he stood up at the services when he raised his hands for everybody to rise, I'm telling you, I felt the presence of whatever God was to me mm -hmm. in that. And, and whether that was because my parents had me moving along or because I came in naturally with that or because I heard about it and was open to it. And I'll just say, um, um, and Rabbi Robbins, he was, he was from Hungary. And he, he carried like the old world with him, it seemed to me, even though he was a modern American rabbi. So, and then, um, I don't know, I didn't really think much about um, that training, spirituality. I really didn't think much about it. And then Later, when I went to social work school, I found myself at Yeshiva University, which is like Fordham is um, in Christianity. It's like a, a Jewish university. It was primarily founded for Orthodox people who identified as Orthodox. But in the modern age, it's non-sectarian, even though there were a lot of um, Jewish people who went there. And, um, and like half conscious, I'm thinking, how did I get here? How did I pick this school? I mean, it was a good pick for me for many reasons. And it was like I sort of landed there. And it wasn't until even further in my adulthood that I could appreciate how it was I got there. And then um, developed an interest in studying all different religions. Um, 
because of the relationship that I understood between spirituality and religion, which we'll get into later. And also in that senior year, Rabbi Robbins taught us about one divinity and all the different ways people could practice and observe and some people worship or observe holidays, whatever that was. So even as a high school senior, I got a global picture of openness um, and that, you know, the a religion I was brought up in was just one avenue for a person to find spirituality within themselves. And uh, we'll talk later about um, the discernment between spirituality and religion. So I'm a person who, you know, I can be in any cultural, spiritual setting and experience, uh, have, have rich experiences. So that's all I'd want to say. I mean, it's a lot, but it, uh, that's all I want to say. More will come out as we talk. How about you, Janine? Okay. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> well, my path isn't very linear. Um, it's very bizarre. No, it's different. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Um, I mean, I do know how to explain it. Um, huh. um, so what I'd like to say first is that as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about my own journey. And, um, and so I thought, what I what would be an, a good way to, to segue into the beginning stages is to talk about how um, later in life as an adult, I saw two different past life regression um, uh, channelers, whatever you call them. And um, one told me that I had been a pagan in many lifetimes. And the other one told me that there was a, a point in one of my lifetimes where I had to make a choice. Like uh, it was during the time of, um, can't think of the name, but um, the um, when you had to choose between paganism versus mm. uh, Christianity. Um, I forget what that time period was called. But anyway, um, that I had to make that choice and I ended up making the right choice. So I thought that was kind of neat. So I say all that to say that I grew up Christian in the Hungarian church in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and um, so my stepfather was Hungarian. He came here in 1956 and um, uh, escaping the Hungarian revolution. And um, so Growing up in the Hungarian church, there was there was um, there was that, but I always felt like an outsider because I wasn't Hungarian. And um, so along the way, I started to just things would happen. Like um, we moved to the country, and I found this tree stump and began to use it as my altar. Um, <clears throat> and and then. Um, Sometimes whenever we'd have Hungarian um, gatherings for like dinners or what have you, or breakfasts, um, like on Easter, I would sneak upstairs to the church when everybody was not paying attention. Mm. And I would just go up there and get on my knees in front of the altar and just pray. <clears throat> 
And it was just my little sneaky habit that I would do. And I always thought it was kind of neat. Like I was like, please don't let anybody find me. And I don't think they ever did because nobody ever questioned it. But um, so that was kind of my little thing to do. And then somewhere along the line, I think when I was in middle school, um, I watched the movie, The Song of Bernadette. And it deeply moved me because um, I had never heard of um, goddesses. I didn't know there were such things. Um, and so listening to her story and then how she became this very pious woman as a result of that, it just like something inside of me, it just moved me. Um, and so, so that was kind of childhood. And then my senior year, um, we had to write a term paper um, because this was uh, when you had to be a little bit more intelligent um, in high school and you were held to more higher standards than you are today uh, where you're just taking a test. Um, and so with this term paper, the um, problems in democracy was the class and my teacher, um, Mr. Dahlman told us that we had to choose a topic that was um, like a something that was going to, a critical topic that was going to make us think. And he said it was going to be something that was going to trans, transform the rest of our life. Like we would never, this paper was just going to be like a turning point for us. Um, something along those lines. Um, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe I imagined it, but that's what I, that's what I remember. And so at that time, it was the year after um, Jim Jones' um, massacre in Guyana. And so that had moved me so much um, because back then I didn't know I was an empath and a highly sensitive person. So, um, <clears throat> so it just, it, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I decided I would write about religious cults. And in doing so and researching my 25 page paper, which was big deal as a 18, 17 year old. Um, but in researching that, I began to learn about other religions and realized, oh, wow, there's other religions besides Christianity and Judaism. Um, and I didn't know that. So I learned about Buddhism and um, Islam and um, uh, Hinduism and different things like that because I was reading these different books about religions and religious cults and all that sort of thing. So it did transform my life. Um, I went to California uh, with my ex-husband, um, who was my husband at the time. We got divorced and um, while I, I decided to stay there and while I was there, um, <clears throat> there was a point where I got on my knees again and I said, um, you know, I need a teacher. I need help. I can't do this alone because I was in California all by myself by this point. And, um, and lo and behold, um, this woman came to me through my boyfriend. It was his mother um, and her name was Lucy Traeger. And she and I became very, very good friends um, until she died in 2012. And um, she was Native American Cherokee. And um, so she kind of taught me, uh, she sort of opened up the doors to things that I had um, wondered about my whole childhood 
um, with the getting on my knees and paganism and all that sort of thing that was sort of sneaking in the doors. Um, and I was, I also forgot to mention, I was very, um, doing a lot of dreaming as a child and wanting so much to talk about these things, but I had nobody to talk to. Um, because I learned very early on that nobody really understands these kind of things. Um, you have to be with special people. So anyway, so I worked with her for um, 30 years. And in that time period, I was exploring uh, different um, spiritualities. I was studying it in college, world religions. I took a class on philosophy in college um, and just learning about various things. And she had me Re starting with different books. So Jay Krishnamurti, and mm -hmm. um, I was involved with Terry Cole Whittaker's church for um, several years. Um, and um, so that's, you know, I, and then at some point I got involved in Wicca and studying about um, goddesses uh, directly. And, um, and then um after a crisis last year the, um, that you're, you and I are well aware of, um, I just began to return to God, um, not to Christianity. It's just more like um, I just felt a need to find something to, I was struggling. I was in a crisis and I was struggling for some support and some answers. So I bought the Women's Study Bible. I began reading that. Um, I um, began to do some prayers and I began to um, really uh, get involved with Insight, uh, Insight Timer and learning from methods and Maria Gallo. And then, um, <clears throat> I, and then I was listening to them talking about contemplative prayer or centering prayer. And um, so I began doing that twice a day for 20 minutes. And so that's kind of where I am now, just in this, this, uh, like, um, I am in a more pious place where I've always wanted to be, but I guess I never felt worthy until now. I'm not sure. Um, or I guess I just didn't realize um, how important that would have been to me all along. Um, what I, what I finally realized was my whole life has been doing spirituality when I felt like it. And now I'm like, that's why my life has been such a mess and so much chaos because I wasn't being devoted to a spiritual mm -hmm. practice mm -hmm. and something that was, um, I needed to stop playing games and I needed to be grounded in some kind of a spiritual practice. And so that's where I am right now. So um, you're bringing up something that, well, there's two things I wanted to share. Um, the, the, I wanna address your last point second. So, um, so where I went as an adult then, was in my training of uh, doing hypnotherapy and then a few years um, at uh, Smith in contemplative practice. And both Janine and I uh, teach meditation. And um, I don't know if you have a meditation group right now. I mean, I have in the past. Um, 
And so that the idea of pious, I think of <clears throat> as holy or sacred, um, uh, for me, it's been a deep feeling. So, I mean, I had it when I sat with the rabbi. I had it when I went to um, I went to uh, a luncheon recently at the uh, Hungarian Center. Um, what's the proper name of that place? Oh, St. Ladislaus? Yeah, but what's the group? Oh, the, the Hungarian Cultural Association. The Hungarian Cultural Association. Um, to be present um, for your presentation, your historical presentation there. Yet when I went in, whether it was the, the richness of the cultural tradition that was expressed there, but I, it was as if I was walking into the Vatican. I mean, I, I was a, it was such a deep uh, spiritual sense. And yeah, I'll say, you know, some one of my teachers will say, well, that was in you, Ellen. So I'm going to say we carry whatever that is with us. And then where we place ourselves can bring these things out. And uh, whether it's cultural and spiritual, God-related or not God-related. And then the last thing that you mentioned, um, and I have read this and heard this and use it for myself as I as I climb into better alignment with what I know is the fitting thing for me, someone else might say, oh, well, the right thing for me to do. And when I'm not doing what's that fitting thing, whether it's with integrity or spirituality or whatever doing the right thing is, um, that, that idea of, um, of having a practice that, and all the times that I've known that and like tried to run away from it, not even half consciously. And, you know, is that related to things going smoothly in one's life? Now I have read that over and over again, and I have denied that, fought that, all kinds of things. But I have to tell you, every time I'm in sync with that, what that idea that I have that I could be doing something that would really be more in alignment with that centering, mm -hmm. with that centering, I have to tell you, things do go smoothly then. And, you know, someone could say, oh, it's just a mindset or it's all in your mind. Well, so what? Your mind, you know, this is like a higher part of us. So, um I have been inspired that way. I'm imperfect. And um, when I'm in sync, it really does go so much better. It does. Yeah. Um, I think um, faith is faith in something um, is going to make things happen um, in your life. When you are focusing, you know, you can hold a crystal in your hand and, and just focus on whatever it is you're focusing on that you need support around. Um, you can have a cross around your neck and you can pray to Jesus. You can, um, whatever, you know? I mean, I know the, I don't know what you call them. I'm sure you do. 
the things on your door that Jewish people oh, have. Mezuzah. That's right. Yes. You can, you know, you kiss that when you walk into right. your home. Right. And that's something that's important. Um, doing prayers five times a day in the in the uh, Islam faith, the faith of Islam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know. It's funny though. I thought many years ago when I saw the Song of Bernadette, and over the years, whenever I'd read about women who were very pious, they were always Catholic. So I was assuming, I know that sounds so stupid, but no, it just, it just sounds young. It yeah. doesn't sound stupid it's just just until you wake up to the next meaning. I think most, most of us think things are the way they are when we're exposed to them. And then later we discover it's even bigger than that. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I mean, in the different things that I learned about over the years, I didn't really listen to anybody talking about any sort of pious um, way of being. Uh, and so, I, I mean, you know, people in the Wiccan religion, uh, not religion, but relig Wiccan beliefs, um, generally will follow, you'll get together in covens and circles and um, for different holidays and things like that. But it was, and there are some women that did um, follow it more devoutly. But for me, I just always kept thinking I had to be Catholic um, to be a devout person. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I, as a little girl, I wanted to be a nun, but um, then I met boys. And then as an adult, um, you know, I just, uh, I never felt pulled in that direction. So it wasn't until recently when I realized that um, this is something I just can do myself. Mm. You know, mm. that I can, and I love the centering prayer because it's, it's making me um, create this, um, <clears throat> this uh, persist, this um, dedication each day. Mm. It's mm. given me this practice so that I am called to doing this. And I just started doing it because I thought, oh, this is like advanced meditation. Sure, I'll take on 20 minutes, two times a day. Um, it sounded interesting to me. Um, but then as things began to happen um, from doing this, my intuition became strengthened. It was like, oh, wow. And, and suddenly, you know, being called to doing things like the spiritual retreat we're going to go on in November, you know, I'm listening to my inner voice differently. Um, it's like, I feel like God is speaking through me. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what's happening. And, um, and so I'm, I'm paying attention and listening. Uh, something occurs to me in our response to what you're saying, and that is um, in other trainings and background that I have and in helping people, uh, so many of us are looking for what is our purpose what am I really doing here? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people are finding um, that it's to bring in some kind of wisdom, energy to others or onto the planet. And also when you were saying um, earlier, you know, someone could uh, connect um, with Jesus or 
um, inner wisdom or whatever that is, that, um, that really um, a, ge a general way that some people can do that is to listen to their own, to know that it's their own true self. That whether it's our inner wise self or our innate wise self or um, inner healthy parent. I mean, there's a million names um, and not to get caught up in the names, but to but to tap into what is the highest truth about this that I'm looking at or this that's upsetting me or uh, to ask like when you ask, you know, connect me, support me. And then the next minute you're feeling it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a way to look at all of this also. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and something I've been opening up the envelope with, with a lot of families in uh, therapy is talking to them about the importance of teaching their children something. I slip it in there like tiny, like in a tiny way, because I'm not there to like make them do anything. But I just kind of give that little hint. Because, you know, I think that's so important that children are raised with some sort of belief system, value. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you may think differently, but um, I just, when I think about children who've been raised with some sort of belief system, they have something to, to jump off of, you know? It's like they've got that starting gate in life uh, that they're, they're going through that starting gate with this religion or that religion or what have you. And then as adults, we can choose to pick chocolate or vanilla, because we've had some starting gate versus a child who doesn't have anything. And then they just live their life in a place of, you know, well, I, yeah, I don't believe in anything. I don't follow anything, blah, blah, blah. And they just kind of live their life the way they do. I just think that's so important. Um, it, because if you don't have anything to start with, then it's like going into an ice cream store and you've never eaten ice cream. How are you going to know which one to choose if you've never mm. tasted it? Mm. You know, um, we need something in life. We only live once um, as this in this body. We live, you know, certainly I believe in reincarnation, but in this lifetime, in this body, we're living one time. And um, so it's short. Uh, we don't know how long we've got. So why not use it? So I didn't quite have that wisdom as a young parent because I was fighting as if my parents pushed me into, mm -hmm. so I was rebelling. And so I couldn't find a temple or a Jewish group that I felt comfortable in because I had this inner fight going on. And so I did not give um, our child a formal education because I was still fighting 
that even though I had been to uh, social work school at Yeshiva University, even though I was so, so he got from me a role model of spirituality, which had a smattering of cultural uh, things. And when I was having an issue as a young parent, I would say, hold on a second. And I would say to God, okay, God, you got to help me here. You got to help me here. So that's the extent that he got plus whatever he witnessed in me because I have a million altars and, you know, he knows I'm a meditator and all that. Um, but I think that with all that, um, I may be lumped into that category of foo-foo or that's all, you know, mystical junk and whatever. Uh, nevertheless, um, he has a strong Jewish identity that doesn't seem to be associated with God at all. So he'll find his way. And, um, but I do agree. And I do this with clients and I do it in a very non-judgmental way. I ask lots of questions. And one is, do you happen to have a spiritual connection? No worries if you don't, but I will tell you my experience working with many, many clients and friends that if you have a spiritual connection, it can, and if it's not already a partnership, it can be cultivated into a partnership. And that in a healing way, in my experience, is the shortest distance between feeling upset and feeling great. You can use your relationship with your spiritual connection and that as a healing avenue, uh, when you know what to do with it, whether through your own contemplations or help from others or your own wisdom, that that's the shortest distance to healing. I really have found that. Yeah. And you know, there's been studies that show that uh, in the hospitals, when people come in and do the praying around the patient and whatever, um, it helps in the healing process. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, no different than holding a crystal when I'm in some kind of pain and, mm -hmm. and focusing on healing, mm -hmm. um, and then suddenly I'm healed. Um, so, so, I mean, there, there is power in prayer as the saying goes, um, and meditation and, and what have you. Um, well, and we mentioned that in one of our previous conversations about mind over matter yeah. and really that we are energy. These bodies are made up of energy. So when I think of spirituality, sometimes I talk about it as that we are a spirit or a spark of light, of energy inside this physical vehicle and that's what empowers it whether you call it life force energy um and you know and you could think that that's how it is when you hold a crystal you're using your consciousness to ignite uh, fan the flame of uh, enhance apply 
use the resources of energy around us and in us for a focused purpose, whether it's a answer a question we formulate and we get an answer, whether it's concentrated prayer, that's another term that's used um, for healing, uh, and whether you're sending energy, divine energy, whatever, or thinking in terms of sending healing energy to someone or to yourself for their highest good. Oh, and that's what I wanted to say before when you were talking about belief systems and faith and values, that um, a family's value could be in the goodness, goodness for all, the good for all, or the goodness in each person, or um, doing um, acts of kindness and generosity, and all that list of virtuous uh, characteristics that we have, that there can be faith in that, faith in the value of that, even if it's not in a deity or a, a <laughs> goddess. Um, and the other thing I wanted to add, or what you said earlier, I don't know where in my training, and I don't mean like formal school training, because then I gravitated to learn through different teachers. I mean, there, there were some books. I have a feeling we read the same books on the goddess. And I can't remember. There were one or two that had like famous titles, but um, I can picture the books. So, and uh, the goddess within, I think was one. And, you know, there were some others. So, you know, so however you tap into, uh, I'm going to say the highest part of yourself whatever that is and all the different ways that we think about that. Yeah. And um, when you speak about books, um, what I think is important is that people are led to those books, to the teachers, to the faith, to the beliefs. I think people should be led to it. So um, when I'm talking to a client about books, I might mention a book or two, but a lot of times I'll say, when you're looking this up online or at the bookstore, look at the books around it and whichever one ends up, you know, calling to you, take that one. You know, I may say, start with Jay Krishnamurti, but when you go on Amazon and you see all these other books under one, under that saying people who also bought blah, blah, blah. And the other one, you're like, oh, I like that one better. Go for it. You know? Right. Um, and um, because ultimately your path, just like me getting on my knees as a little girl um, to where I am now, that's something spirituality is 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 uh, intimate. It's it's individual. It's not something you can share it with people. You can go together to a labyrinth walk or you can go mm -hmm. together to a retreat or to a church or a temple or what have you. But ultimately you're interpreting whatever you're interpreting uh, yourself. You can't, I can't share it with you. I can't share it with this person. I can talk about it. We're talking about it today, but um, whatever people are gonna get out of this, it's gonna be different for every single person listening. 
um, because they're going to latch on to this one thing that I said or this one thing that you said, mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be what's going to drive them to consider whatever they're going to go for. I, I like to think of that as like little threads light up and then you follow yeah. the one that lights up for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember um, in a bookstore, it's not that many bookstores, I'd like there to be more bookstores where you could, you know, I mean, I think there were a few times where a book actually fell off the shelf mm -hmm. in my direction. And I went, oh, I guess this is the one I'm supposed to get. Uh -huh. Or I had a teacher who said, you know, just put your hands up and the one that stands out, you know, either hot or cold or whatever, that's the one for you. Or just the one that you like, you know, if you're attracted to notice like an inclination in your heart in a direction, follow it. And then if there's something else to follow off of that, and that's, and it is a path. It's a it path. Is. It's not a done deal, not anywhere along the way. Mm -hmm. It's like ever unfolding. If you can, it's a little mind boggling, but ever unfolding. Exactly. I mean, I never, I mean, I've never known where I was going to end up right now. I've never known that. And there were times when I thought, um, I made a joke about this in another video we did, but there were, there were times when I thought, okay, this is it. I know I'm never going to go off this path. I'm always going to be on this path, you know? Um, and, you know, what happened this past year? I had no idea. <laughs> I never would have, I never would in a million years have said, oh yeah, this is where Janine's going to end up, right? Um, yeah, but... And other things that came up along the way um, that I also think um, we haven't mentioned different things that um, drive you spiritually, like yoga, mm -hmm. not just meditation, but doing yoga. Some people do Tai Chi. I think I've never, well, I've, I've taken a, a orientation in it once, but um that there's uh, those two, I think, are the are good spiritual exercise mm. courses, Tai Chi and yoga. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also well, well, can you say more about that? Like, what's the um, what's the idea behind it? Or um... well, yoga is a spiritual exercise. Um, I've been doing that since um, 1970 something when Lilius yoga and you were on PBS in Columbus. Um, I don't remember what her last name is for the life of me, but because um, she was just Lilius. <laughs> but, um, you know, I could barely get the channel because we lived on a farm and, you know, the reception wasn't good out there. So I would have uh, looking at WOSU with the, the lines going through the TV and and I'm trying to watch her get in these postures and I'm just doing whatever she's doing. Um, and so that was my start. But it's a spiritual exercise because yoga works from the inside out. Um, and, it's in, and, um, and I later did kundalini yoga, which is a very advanced form of yoga where you are in a posture and you're doing a breathing exercise. And that's actually where I had an out-of-body experience, which was really fascinating. It didn't last very long, but it was a fascinating um, thing. Um, because yoga 
before people started opening up yoga studios, we, you know, the classes I would take, I was in um, the Kundalini class that I took was in a, uh, in the back of a, um, of a um, metaphysical book, a metaphysical, back of a metaphysical store called L'Objet de Art and Spirit over by the Beverly Center. <laughs> it was nearby to the Bodhi Tree, and this is in Los Angeles. And um, we would go to the back of the store, and there was like, I think, five women, and we were on the floor there um, in the storeroom. And we would do these classes once a week on Saturdays mornings, I think it was. Um, so that was my introduction. Um, but um, so yoga is, you know, and you, you end with a meditation and, and it's just a very, um, it's grounding. It's a grounding experience, um, getting inside of your body. Um, I don't know, that's, that's all that's coming for me right well, now. And um, some of our viewers may know that there's all different types of yoga. Yes. And um, I think even even the term yoga, as Yogananda uh, defines it, is the union of um, union with the divine. So no. there's some of that in there. Um, Namaste. Uh, what else? There was something else. What else haven't we um, talked about? Um, how about um, higher states of consciousness that we're all, you know, just like you said, you know, at one point in your life, you thought all goddess energy was women, Catholic, you know, and then your consciousness expanded with more awareness mm -hmm. and that that's ever unfolding too. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes in a dilemma uh, that I've been in, I would ask, you know, what would God do? Or some of my friends, what would Jesus do? Or, you know, what's the, what's the, um, the thing to do that benefits the most people? Or what's a win-win kind of a thing? Um, to reach for a, um, a, a harmonious kind of a solution is a word that comes to me. I mean, uh, we all have different experiences, different words come to us, even words that, that you and I use, our viewers, you know, if there's a better word, use your word, um, you know, so. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, consciousness? Yeah, consciousness, um, higher consciousness. Um, I remember a book, Handbook to Higher Consciousness. That was the first, that was my first book. Yeah. I still have it. Ken Keyes Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, and this is so much fun, Janine. <laughs> when we talk, it's like we discover these things that we had in common that we didn't even know. I just, that's why it's fun. You know, I encourage anyone to have these kind of conversations with whoever you can have these conversations with, because you find yeah. uh, connections and commonalities. It's very sweet. Yeah, there's a link there. Um, 
Yeah, that book was really disturbing mm. for me. Um, and I went on to read A Healthy Person's Guide to Relationships mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or A Conscious Person's Guide. He wrote mm. that too. Um, mm. And you can still get those books. Yes, yes. It's hard to find them, but you can still get them. Yeah. Handbook to Higher Consciousness and then Autobiography of a Yogi, which right. I read. Uh. Yoga right. book. I've been to uh, the temple in Malibu. Oh, oh, we'll have to have those conversations because I'm curious. I've yeah. only been there online. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a beautiful place walking around there. Uh, they've got some of the ashes of Gandhi and Martin Luther King mm -hmm. underneath mm -hmm. a, um, a um, like a shrine kind mm -hmm. of thing because Hindus, they like the shrine type thing. Um, and then I went to his temple, yet another one in Richmond, California, which was a strange place to put it. But um, it, I mean, it seems strange now, but way back then it was just a unknown town. Um, but it's up on the hill and it's a really beautiful place. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, these are some of the type of temples that I've been to, um, including going into, I've gone into beautiful um Catholic churches. Um, I love going inside because they're so ornate. Um, I've been in some in Mexico and uh, Canada and mm -hmm. um, just some really beautiful places. Um, and oh, and, and uh, also in Wales. I was Wales. That one was a, a weird, that was a weird um, place to go to. But anyway, it was very dark. Um, but um, vi visually dark, visually dark. No, oh. Energetic. energetically dark, energetically dark. Yeah. Mm. So I don't mm. know what happened there, but something happened there. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, so higher consciousness and um, I, when I think of that, I just think of, um, expanding our consciousness and integrity, um, personal integrity. And, um, and I like how you said, what would God do or what would Jesus do? Um, I think that's how you kind of pull yourself back and ground yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think um, I'm safe in saying that you and I both believe that we're one with God, that, you know, it's this I like I like that the omnipresent. Yeah, I like that. And, no separation. Um, no separation there. Um, but um, I, I think it's an ongoing journey that we all have to. You know, when we say our purpose in life, it's important that we all have some journey that we're on. You can't just be in this world. I mean, you can be, but I think it's foolish to be in this world and not have something, something that grounds you and centers you and balances you and that you can draw from when you are going through a crisis, when you are um, at your wits end with uh, your business or your relationship or your child or um, <clears throat> something that's happened to you in society, you know, 
Um, now, when I'm listening to people, when they're coming into my office, I, you know, because I've like gotten more centered in this spiritual belief, I, and I hear my clients, I just, I, I wish I could turn the conversation into a different conversation, you know, <laughs> um, but that's not really what therapy is about. I mean, I, I throw it in now and then. Um, and I always talk to people about what their spirituality is, because that's a holistic way of working with somebody. And I draw on that when we're talking about trauma in their life. Um, I draw on that to, to um, discover, you know, and when I'm talking to them about their coping skills or what have you. Um, but sometimes I wish I could just say more. I wish I could be more like a spiritual mm. director mm. And, and help them to understand that, you know, your, your life is going to be better if you could find something to believe in. If you could step outside of this world, um, this, this um, you know, you have this decision that you have this pain or you have this decision that this man is like this or this woman is like this or or that your children are like that or you are like this. Tap into your spirituality. Tap into something inside of yourself. Look outside of you. Look above. Take a walk in the garden. Go to the um, natural forest, national forest or or what have you, and tap into spiritual wisdom. Um, and I think your life is going to go so much better. Mm. You may not have that pain. You may not have that mm. when there's something bigger than you. You know, I think that that is really valuable. And um a lot of times uh, people have so much mind chatter that they, you know, it's, it's can feel for a time too confusing and can't break out of that. And, um, and that once you have the idea that you just gave people that that's, that that really helps people to have a, a spiritual, even a spiritual curiosity helps and that's a beginning to just to see it's like you know like somebody saying um you know have you tried wearing something in this color you know because this color really enhances um your energy or something like that and then the person could say oh no i i never even thought about that so you know hearing what you've said you know, there may be somebody listening or viewing or knowing somebody who could be invited to just try something on, knowing that they could throw it away later. It's just if you don't, if you're not, if you don't bring yourself to it with, with, um, I wonder if this could help me. You could pick the most minimal flavor of curiosity and bring yourself to someone or to something or to a book, or you step in the used bookstore into the spirituality aisle and just see if there's something there. Not that you're reading books like an authority, you read them for the energy to see if there's something that lightens up something else 
in in your consciousness exactly um, exactly um and the part about uh, people find calm and and centering going into a forest going to the beach taking a walk standing yeah. out and just facing the sunshine um so you know anyone who's listening if you're helping other people you can inc- invite them i like invite because invite means they could take it or leave it gives them maximum space to take it up rather than telling someone which you know they could have like a, a little wall come up initially so um <clears throat> to invite people into nature because that's could be an easy way some people look up at the stars um some people sit with a candle some people you know have have um have have a dinner and uh and really enjoy what they're doing um uh focusing in it's so great that i have this to eat yeah so, cuz lots of people don't have things to eat yeah and you can say a prayer for those people if you want um but any kind of appreciation for yourself and i will say that um for anybody who um wants to uh help somebody discover that um that inside themselves or to help somebody do that that be happy no matter what book uh five steps in or freedom is really about noticing that you've been listening to a, an inner voice your whole life even though it was echoing in the background even it got pushed aside that there was a little something that said something to us that we may not have paid attention to and that that that's a guide inside ourselves you don't have to call it god or spirit just start there that there's 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 an inner calm that you can get to in yourself mm-hmm. and um you know that's one way yeah. but um you know it it really helps it helps when you have when you can discover uh something that you can rely on in that way that yeah. you're talking about. And I like what you were talking about earlier about taking what works for you from it. Um that's something one of the first things Lucy taught me was um you know when I would go to a lecture or a spiritual teacher or what have you she'd say just hear what they have to say and just pull out whatever it is that you're um resonating with whatever seems to and the rest of it's just garbage because garbage meaning it wasn't relevant to me it wasn't for you but it's for yeah. somebody else it is yeah so i you know so just focusing on whatever it is that i got from that teacher mm-hmm. um and sometimes i'll start reading a book and uh and it's like doesn't do anything for me right. so but i mean it was like um i bought a book recently after listening to a woman speak um on insight timer and she had wonderful things to say in the in the live recording that she did bought her book but then i realized this isn't really what i need um but I was happy to give her, you know, the $13 um for showing up to her lecture and um and supporting her because by buying her book, 
it's going to make her get higher up on the Amazon chart or something. <laughs> so uh, I like that. It's going to help her get higher up, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever um, that is. Yeah. And you can always give the book to someone else. And I probably will, one of my clients. <laughs> but what, you, what you're sharing about really is having received um, things that resonated through her talk and then you had the inspiration to buy the book and maybe it was to help her out. Maybe uh, you thought, or I would think, you know, well, you know, maybe I'm going to learn more in this book, but the real purpose was to help her out or mm -hmm. to pass it to someone else. Mm -hmm. And then you had the discernment of, oh, wait a minute. That was, that was enough of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder what will come to my view or what will inspire me next or other thoughts. And, and I do um, the contemplative prayer, the centering prayer, meditation, um, that in that, in that path of um, acquiring more and more connection with stillness, because meditation is a path, and the quieter we get, sometimes the more active that chatter gets so we can work on sending it away, um, supporting it, becoming less restless, those restless thoughts mm -hmm. um, going on without paying attention to them. I mean, there's all different ways that we each get to face what's in the way. Um, that that path of meditation is really an energizing um, infusion, reinforcement of life force energy. Yeah. And um, the more I school myself, the more I'm hearing the messages for me that, that that's a gateway, a doorway uh, to um, to really making choices about how to apply my energy, this energy, our energy on the earth plane. Yeah, so, yeah. and that interests me. So I'm curious about that. So I'm going to go for more of that. You know, everybody's going to go for more of whatever is there. Yeah. And what interests them? Well, we've come to the hour. Um, I'd like to invite people. Uh, we don't get a lot of comments when we do our conversations. I'd like to invite people to comment on what their spiritual path is. Um, what is it you do that creates spirituality for you? Um, put it in the comment section. We'd love to hear it. Um, and um, Love to have you be a part of this conversation by sharing your awareness in life. That would be wonderful. Great. So join us again uh, for another enlightening conversation and take what you can from this. Um, some people have said they listen to these recordings a second time. Okay. You never know uh, what you hear and what you hear inside yourself as you. Um, have us along with you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you.